Welcome to the St. Edward's Podcast, a church filled with the Holy Spirit. We hope that today's words will draw you closer to Christ Jesus. Every first Sunday after Epiphany is the Sunday that includes our reading from the Gospel on the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, an important event in the life of Christ, the baptism of our Lord begins the ministry of Jesus. We all know the stories from the Gospels regarding the birth of Christ, all the Christmas stories, the announcement stories, the the shepherds, the nativity, the wise men. We might be familiar with the one story we have of Jesus as a boy, as a young boy where he went to the temple and his parents were looking for him. That's the only story we have of Jesus as a young boy. The gospel writers just were not concerned about Jesus as a teenager or as a young 20-year-old. And then we turn the pages to the baptism narrative. The baptism of our Lord is when the story really gets going. In fact, I think it's kind of an interesting story. Apart from the relationship between Jesus and John being cousins, of which, of which the uh, scriptures do not mention at the baptism, Jesus approached John to be baptized in the Jordan River, and the Bible says, and John tried to prevent him. I don't know what that looked like, but I don't know if it was a more private discussion that they had or if it was a scene that people witnessed. No, no, you go away. That's no. But John said, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? John certainly knew who Jesus was. He probably felt really uncomfortable about baptizing Jesus, as anyone would, knowing who Jesus was. No one is worthy to do such a thing. And that was John's point. I'm not worthy to do this. But Jesus' reply to John was, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. And it was with these words from Jesus that John consented to the baptism. In Jesus' argument to be baptized, he he used an interesting phrase, to fulfill all righteousness. What does this mean? What did Jesus mean by this? What does it mean that his baptism was to fulfill all righteousness? Well, that phrase elsewhere in Matthew, particularly in chapter 5, refers to obeying the principles of the law. Here, it expresses his obedience to God's plan revealed in the scriptures. It may also reflect that even at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, when he's being baptized, he identified with the sins of Israel in the sense of a confession to take on those sins, preparing for the coming of the kingdom. You see, even at his baptism, Jesus is looking ahead to his death, which he embraces on behalf of us. It's in his obedience to be baptized and his declaration to fulfill all righteousness that we see the marvelous love of God through his son, Jesus Christ. We, who are so undeserving, are greatly loved by God. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And his son, even as he convinced John the Baptist to baptize him in the Jordan River, was anointed for the mission of giving his life for the world to fulfill all righteousness. 
Last Thursday evening, we started a new adult Bible conversation study on the, on the Holy Spirit. From the study presented by Father Dave Pavonka, a priest in the Catholic tradition, he wrote on our discussion guide these words. It's been on my heart ever since I prepared for that lesson on Thursday night, and it's really stuck with me. And I had to preach on it today, too. <laughs> and that's this. He wrote, There is nothing that we can do that would cause God to love us more, and nothing we can do that would cause him to love us less. Let me read that again. There is nothing that we can do that would cause God to love us more and nothing we can do that would cause him to love us less. Let that sink in. There does not exist a sinner who has sinned so much that God can't forgive him. Murder, extortion, greed, whatever, it doesn't change the love that God has us. And on the other hand, there is nothing you can do. Preach to the masses of people the good news of God. Find the cure of every disease that's known. Solve world hunger that changes God's love for you. His love is not based on our achievements. If you hear me today, hear this three-word sentence. If you remember anything, remember this. God loves you. There is nothing that you can do that would cause God to love you more and nothing you can do that would cause him to love you less. And for us who have become his disciples, who have become his children, this love beckons us to follow him. Scholar Craig Keener writes concerning our gospel reading on the baptism. He says, Jesus' example calls us to offer ourselves sacrificially for an undeserving world as he offered himself for us. In a world that regards moral boundaries as impractical, where nothing higher than selfish passion guides many lives around us, Jesus reminds us of a higher mission and purpose for our lives. By submitting to baptism by one of lower rank, Jesus also models humility for us. So what do we do with this marvelous love of God? We go and serve the world around us, sharing through words and deeds this great love, following the ways of Christ, the examples of Christ, not because the world around us deserves it any more than we do with what we receive from Christ, but because we share the love of Christ, the unconditional love, the transforming love. And we share the love of Christ as we have submitted to do, even in our own baptismal covenant. Normally, we don't say the baptismal covenant unless there's a baptism. But on the feast day of the baptism of our Lord, <laughs> we can probably take a look at it. But it's found in the Book of Common Prayer on page 304 and 305. But what I want to do is look at the last three um, responses that we give. And they say this. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? And the response we say is, I will with God's help. Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? 
I will with God's help. Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? I will with God's help. You see, we are also called through baptism to follow the way of the crucified life, to live the way of Christ's love, not our own selfish desires. But God doesn't leave us all alone to strive within our own power to live up to our baptismal covenant. He doesn't say, okay, that's your covenant. Good luck. Hope you make it. (laughs) Following the way of love all on our own. There is a reason throughout our response in the covenant we say, I will, with God's help. God is present to help us because we can't live up to our covenant without God's help. And there's one thing that appears over and over and over in our readings, in our collect today, and that is the presence of the Holy Spirit. The baptism is the time when the Holy Spirit anoints Jesus for his ministry, when Jesus confirmed his calling to walk toward his death on the cross. The presence of the Holy Spirit at this event made manifest the strength and power Jesus needed to fulfill his calling of redemption. The presence of the Spirit was prophesied in our first reading from Isaiah 42 when the prophet said, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. The Spirit was present, of course, in the gospel narrative as Matthew wrote, and just as Jesus came up from the water and suddenly the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And St. Peter shares the gospel to the Gentiles in our second reading from the book of Acts. And he declared this, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. The Holy Spirit is all over the story of the baptism of Jesus. In fact, the Spirit of God is all throughout the story of Jesus. As our one of our church fathers, Gregory of Nazianzus, in the fourth century, wrote these words concerning the baptism of Christ. He said, Christ is born, the Spirit is his forerunner. He is baptized, the Spirit bears witness. He is tempted, the Spirit leads him up. He works miracles, the Spirit accompanies them. He ascends, and the Spirit takes his place. If you are a follower of Christ, The Holy Spirit is present to help you too. As we may read from Romans chapter 8, you are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit. Since the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. As believers of Jesus Christ, as Christians, the power of the Holy Spirit gives us power to live out the love of God. And that is good news because we can't do it on our own. We need God's help. I don't know about you, but I don't wake up every morning and say, I just want to love everybody. I don't watch the news or tap on my phone and and see all the latest headlines and say, I got to love these people more. We need the Spirit. Today on this Sunday, 
when we commemorate the baptism of our Lord, we are reminded of the beginning of Jesus' ministry and walk toward the cross. We are reminded of the great love of God for us. We are reminded of our own baptismal covenant to follow Christ's example of love. We are reminded of the power and comfort of the Holy Spirit. Today, this week, ask God for a deeper revelation, a deeper understanding, a deeper empowerment of the Holy Spirit that he may fill us so that we may, like Jesus Christ, lay our life down, giving our life sacrificially for the world around us. May we love as Christ loves by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this conversation today. We will continue to pray that our teachings are impacting you for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to learn more about our community, you can find us on stedwardsepiscopal.com or on Facebook. And of course, we'd love for you to visit us in beautiful Mount Dora. May God's grace fill you as you go in peace.